Welcome to Trivial Cahoots. Here we are for another week. Um, this, rather than me usually fiddling with the buttons, uh, today the wires are just missing. Just have no microphones. Somebody's ran off with the, all the wires. So we're recording on Annie's the record, Zoom recorder. The recording studio is looking very clean, but there yes. are no... Somebody cleaned away the wires, oh, no but wires we don't need these anymore. So yeah, we're so sorry if the place. sound is a bit yeah. off. Echoey. Yeah. Uh, our guest this week is actor, director, clown, uh-huh. uh, um, hairdresser. Co- hairdresser, that's true, yes, uh, co-founder of the famous Barabbas Theatre Company, uh, is there anything else, what have us has missed, uh, raconteur, uh, nine and a half fingers, nine and a half fingers, yeah, okay, a that's a good one, beautiful heart, a beautiful heart, I'm still looking for me soul, yeah, and, uh, I used to fillet fish. Did you? When did you fillet fish? When I was a, a child. Was that your I first job? Many things. No, family business, fish shop, fish export, fish everything, wow. as well as a pub. My dad was an auctioneer and valuer, second-hand furniture. He used to sell Ford car boxes to farmers to make sheds. He was a politician, Fianna Fáil, councillor. Never made it to TD. He was everything, bar the undertaker in Dungarvan, County Waterford. Wow. So that's my background. Well, wow. Raymond Keane, that's your background. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank um, you. Can you still fillet a fish? I can still. With speed and dexterity. Fish. That's a lovely posh way of saying it. Fillet, we would say in Dungarvan. Yeah. But yes, I could still fillet you a fish, I'm sure, if I had a sharp enough knife. Yeah. yeah. While I was cutting Proper hair. Proper tools. Yeah. While Wait, you were when did hair? you learn how to cut hair? Uh, I became a hairdresser. There's a thing to become now a hairdresser when you're uh, when I was you know failed uh, academic student and I think I passed me into cert failed me leaving cert and you know should have gone into the family business as you one would expect much to the disappointment of my father I decided I'd become a hairdresser uh, and you know and this was in the early seventies what a thing to say to a small town <laughs> family because that's pansy work isn't it you know? yeah. <clears throat> so uh, yeah and then after that you decided I'll butch it up by becoming an actor and then I was cutting hair in Amsterdam <laughs> and uh, for the first time ever actually I would say I went down to Paris for a weekend and saw a street theatre outside the Pompidou Centre and was totally blown away transfixed you know what the hell is this what are these people doing People probably out of Marceau School or Lecoq School, yeah. earning a few bob on the streets or whatever, and you know, behaving without words mostly, I guess, you know, but telling stories without words. And I thought, what is that? Then somebody said, that's mime. So I went and got myself a mime book back in the Milky Way in Amsterdam and started to teach myself mime in front of the mirror. So that's how I started. And wow. Then, wow. Yeah. So clown, I guess, was, I would go, what are these clowns doing? Because clown is a very broad word for yeah. Yeah. And clown and I has, say I'm a clown who aspires to being a fool. There you go. Yeah. Clown has different sort of connotations as well in different places. Oh, yeah. Like this, this sort of European idea of clown with the mime and the thing is actually yeah. quite serious and so hard to do. Mm. But I think what, anyway, what Americans think of as clowning is it's completely different. Or what I Kettle think of, games. you know, it's, you know, and it's, you know, and we can go to the extreme of the coolophobia, the fear of clown, you know, probably... 
you know, helped along by the Stephen King kind of stuff. Yeah. But there was initially, there is this this grotesque, you know, the mask that we're all very scared of. You yeah. know, and grotesque can have very positive and negative things, of course. You know, yeah. But, uh, you know, I would say, you know, I love clown and I hate clowns. Some clowns I want to kill, you know. Yeah, you know yeah. I'm a pacifist because, you know, because people think you put on the big shoes and the wig or whatever, or some people yeah. think that that's what clown is. Ronald McDonald being the ultimate, you know, devil. I yeah. guess um, uh, devil clown. Devil clown, exactly. You know, uh, so yes, I've love hate with it, but when it's at its best, it is sublime. Yeah, and it's interesting how much um, can be told through clown. Like it can kind of be brought into uh, like many different stories or genres, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you we are all clowns. It's an archetype, you know. It's like everything, I guess. You know, there's a, it's an archetype. So it depends on how we interact with it or how we, or where. It, and we are all clowns. There is a part of us that is a clown, you know. If we're if we believe an archetype, you know, that's one part. Of, you know, the hero, the clown, whatever. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that. I um, I ran into Raymond last night in. Um, Change the in the Axis Theatre where the change of address kind of artistic program about uh, direct provision uh, was doing their thing. We might hopefully have Una Murphy from from Change of Address on next week. But um, a show that you directed or a segment of a show you directed. What's the name of the show? It's Is called it? Have His No Homes to Go To. Okay, uh, uh, a piece by Brian Fleming, who is neither an actor nor a clown. Uh, nor even a musician, he would say, even though he's a, an extraordinary virtuoso percussionist. You know? Yeah. Uh, but he's written three shows, one being this, one, uh, fantastic titles, actually. Uh, he only started three or four years ago writing shows, and he's three one-man shows now. Uh, one, uh, Giz Shalyar Bongo's Mister, which is his story about learning West African drumming, going out to Africa and bringing Africans over here and interacting and places like Rialto and Fatima Mansions or whatever, you know, these, you know, huge guys coming over uh, here and doing workshops with the women in Fatima. Fantastic story. Yeah. Amongst other things. It's a lot, about a lot of things, but that was his first story because he reckoned, you know, there was a story in, in the drummer, so yeah. to speak, the, the story we never hear, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he is... Uh, extraordinary political sensibility of course as well you know and he's an activist you know but he writes very humorously and very touchingly that's one show the second show which is the you saw an extract from last night have you no homes to go to was when he was approached by clowns without borders who are this organization worldwide organization as an irish you know contingent as well and they asked brian would they, would he go to Ro- rwanda with them to you know perform in the refugee camps there which they tend to do the towns that are borders worldwide they go to war-torn places very often or you know places of conflict and entertain you know to bring a bit of fun and delight yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, the, and Brian sort of said, well, look, I'm not a clown. You know, he says, oh, no, we're, we don't need you as a clown. We need you as a musician. He said, well, I'm not really a musician either. I'm a drummer. He says, he says, oh, yeah, we taught you to do the other stuff as well. No, 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 <laughs> they did the drummer. And then, 
you know, why would you bring a drummer to Africa? You know, yeah. Like, yeah. You know all that thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so then on top of that, he, he has lots of questions because if he's experienced in West Africa as well about what charity is, what activism is, what is this thing? You know, because he, yeah. As he would say later in the show, like, you know, you go out there and you build houses, you know, for locusts, let's say, as we mm. do, you know, and then, you know, you put the local builders out of work. You know, you set up businesses or whatever. You know, you put the, you bring food, you put the farmers out of, you know, yeah. so it's really yeah. delicate it's kind of, yeah. you know, uh, and, you know, his background in his studies as well, but also his activism. And uh, so he was going, he puts the question then back to Clarence Without Borders or back to himself, essentially, you know, is this an Irish solution to an African problem? Send mm-hmm. in the clowns, you know, yeah. what I mean? But of course, as we know, and he brings up the Maslow theory that came up last night as, as well, uh, you know, this thing about what do we need, you know, you know and it would have been thought that, you know, well, the first things we need is personal safety and a roof over our heads and food, yeah. And sort of putting, relegating something that is culturally, you know, or, or as your writer spoke last night so beautifully when he said, yeah, work. Work yeah. is so important, you mm-hmm. know, because he's in a center where he cannot yeah. work. You know, he's a, a refugee or whatever yeah. his yeah. title yeah. would be. So, he, you know, his soul needs to work, you know, in the same way as, you know, I guess, you know, when when you see the clowns without borders, guys going into these incredible situations, then Brian has an extraordinary film and documentation and photographs or whatever, and his experience of going out into these refugee camps that cover mountains, you know, thousands of people, mm. some who have been there for 16 years living in a hut, you know, mm. and they go out and they're, they're warned, you know, before you bring everything with you and away when you're done, put it all on your head. And because there's kids everywhere, families mm. everywhere, you know, and really enjoying the show and laughing, you know, what a beautiful thing for the soul. Uh, but bring everything, not even so much as a plastic bottle. Do not leave it in the ground because there will be a stampede because that plastic bottle Jeez. can be upcycled to a toy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that serious. Yeah. And the most extraordinary thing, you know, that he he finds out, you know, as, as the refugees, interns or whatever, you know, uh, uh, tell him, you know, they thank God every day for being there. Mm-hmm. Mm. 16 years later yeah because it was worse where they were or Rwanda was yeah, you know yeah. and the Congolese refugees predominantly there you know but uh, but it's an extraordinary thing when that is brought to your attention isn't it yeah you know? and also what he I suppose with all his questions about sending the clowns you know you know that's probably the most important thing ever for months or whatever you know that, yeah they had this time together where these bunch of clowns entertained with skills and, and, and laughter and interaction and whatever. And it's kind of wonderful, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the soul being fed, isn't it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and then his next show was called uh, A Transsexual Lesbian and Homosexual Parade, which is his account of... Uh, getting involved with the alternative St. Pat's Parade in New York. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Last 17, year. 18 years ago. Yeah, okay. He started out, you know, okay. because he, back then he had they had come up with, in Ireland, he, they had made the biggest drum ever, you know, which was kind of a half bar on, half uh, 
Lambeg okay. type thing and they used to parade it through festivals whatever so we thought oh St. Paddy's Day festival in Europe New York great gig they'd love this mm. you know what I mean but he couldn't get into it you know what I mean uh, uh, and then he saw oh alternative parade so he went to them you know what I mean and you know of course they didn't bring the drum over because they didn't have the money to bring that right, yeah. Yeah. so he brought his bower on and, and has since been going back every year and being part of this alternative parade and you know the history of it now of course yeah. Finally, they're allowed in. They were allowed in once, one year, the gays, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, even though the alternative parade is a per, say Pat's for all parade, not necessarily gay. Just for yeah. But but yeah. all and all inclusive. Yeah. Right. But uh, when Mayor Diskin, I think, was around, he invited them in. You know, of course, now even our politicians of today, like you know. Uh, uh, Miss Clinton even turned up, you know, because they all want to be associated with it now, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with, because they can't be seen not to be associated exactly. with it, you know. Mm. Uh, so it, it's his account. So again, a kind of a political angle, but it's a personal political angle about his accidental gay yeah. career, yeah, so yeah, to yeah, speak. Yeah. Yeah. Accidental gay. We've all been there. <laughs> all been there, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> in Dublin, whatever, 80s, early 80s, being on gay marches, we used to call them then, not gay pride, because my friends were gay, so I ended up being on the gay marches with yeah. five of us walking down O'Connell Street, shitting myself. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, I'm not gay, okay. I'm not gay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm here, and I have to be here. I have to be here, you know. Yeah, I can do it. There was a few years ago, um, but there was a marriage equality march and you know so so often there's issues like that I'm just like well I don't know like like you're voting on some uh, European treaty or something I'm like, I don't know I don't have a degree in economics but this marriage equality as it's passed now was just something simple to me so I was like well I'm finally going to use my you know feet to to make a statement so I went down to the march and uh, I was just standing around waiting for it to kick off and then Someone just came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to carry the flag? So I was like, okay, sure. And then then pretty much, straight away, I just ended up at the head of the flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, not actually gay, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> here we go. I'm at the head of the rainbow flag. Yeah. That's good. That's it's what brilliant. the movement needs. Exactly. Everybody else. And we all yeah. need to be, you know, a little shaken up every now and again. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put on the firing line, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, speaking of putting people on the firing line... That's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. So we're going to ask you some questions from a Trivial Pursuit card, and we're all going to answer those together, and whatever topics are brought up, that's what we're going to chat about today. Okay, can so, I preface that that I'm useless at Trivial Pursuit? That's pursuits fine. quiz pub games. I'm the, Do you the hate last them? person you... I love them, but I never know any answers, so, you know... That's... You just like being there for the bit of the camaraderie and the yeah. prizes well it's kind of, prizes it's kind, of, it's kind of deadly isn't it you yeah, know yeah. I've been no, asked questions I mean yeah. watching them on telly all the quiz games you know I go, yeah. how the hell did I remember all that stuff you know yeah. literally I bet you actually I had a little sneak as your card over there he, <laughs> had, he was doing prep work went, oh, while no. we were trying so to find cables I know cables. none of the answers I can say already <laughs> but ask them anyway <laughs> we, well we don't know the answers either Necessarily, okay. yes, because we haven't so, seen this card before either. So we're, so we're all on the same we're gonna, team. Yeah, yeah, figured it um, out. Yeah, I do know Mark the answer to this because though. he's one of those yeah. people with a brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. smarty pants. Yeah. Okay, right. what Caribbean? This is geography, by the way, which tends not to be about geography. None of these actually are about what they say they're about. So don't you know put okay. a mental block 
Okay. Stay open. What Caribbean island is the home of red stripe beer? Let me correct you first. We say Caribbean. Okay. Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> red stripe Caribbean. beer. I drank that. Red stripe beer. Well, now I'm at a disadvantage now because I don't drink. So That's a cool kind of beer that you drink in the Milky Way in Amsterdam, I would uh, say. Yeah, and there is a cool, it's, um, it's, the island that it's from has a bit of a cool vibe about it. And it is one island, not a set of islands oh. as well. And most of the islands in the Caribbean are sets of islands. Right. If so you know does that I mean it's not Jamaica? Is it Jamaica? It is Jamaica. Oh, it is Jamaica. It is okay. Jamaica. Yeah. One, one big island, one beer. Um, and it's hip and happening. But that's sort of and the that's only... that's why it's so hip, of course. Yeah, so. exactly. Because mm. it's Jamaican. But most and... of the Jamaicans drink Guinness. <laughs> yeah. They love Guinness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Red Stripe is good, though, and it comes in one of those little funky little yeah. bottles, like the little short, fat ones. Yeah. It's a good... There's something about, though, beer, like the Bahamian beer is Kalik and or Coronas or something, where you do really want it to be warm and sunny. Yeah. You know, right, it's just yeah. drinking them is hard to do when it's well my memory is uh, people having it at very cool gigs you know kind of yeah uh, so you know little short bottle good grip on it yeah you know uh, looking very cool yeah have you ever been to Jamaica no 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 have you been uh, anywhere in the Caribbean no no or Caribbean no I have not been that direction of, at all mm, interesting yeah it's um it's sort of a it's a weird, it's a weird place. I used to go to the Bahamas a lot with my family in spring break. Went to a tiny island, but it's a weird. Um, they're beautiful, obviously. And I went to Jamaica. Jamaica is very touristy, and if you're not in the touristy areas, I think it can be quite depressing. And you know, it's totally. peaks and valleys. Yeah. yeah. By documentaries, we're led to believe violent. Yeah. Yeah. It, dangerous. Yeah. 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 So the food is delicious and. Obviously, the beer is good, but I think it's not necessarily if you're not, you know, I only saw the very touristy bits because mm. I was just there as a tourist, obviously. Um, but it is pretty spectacular. And it's an easy place to be because it's warm, but it's not, um, it's like a giant swimming pool. It's all these islands and a giant swimming pool. So there's not a lot of waves. There's not a lot of animals that can kill you or hurt you or anything like that. It's not risky. It's a very safe place to be. Really it's the same now. weather all the time. Mm. Um, if you like fishing, it's mm. great for fishing. And it's a relaxed, really inexpensive place to be. So that's why so many people holiday there. You, you could, could, fish you could there. get, You could yeah. have a little shack on a beach. I do a little fly fishing. Yeah. Not that I know anything about it, but it's, you kind of look cool when you do it. Yeah, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of boating. But there's not a huge amount to do, you know, yeah. and there's not a lot culturally. Really? It's not sort of a historical place. Except smoke oh. your brains out, maybe. You yeah. can smoke your brains out. Yeah. Um, you know, there were, sh- it was all sugar plantations, but none of those exist anymore, mm. anywhere. So there's, you know, there are, it's not like Mexico where there are pyramids and where you can go to the beach, but still have ancient pyramids or, you know, it's a very, just what it is kind of a place. Mm. And the Irish over there as great slave traders once upon a time and you have all that you know the Guinness they're big you know, slave and, slave ports yeah. and so that's there but none of that's I mean Puerto Rico has some ancient buildings and obviously Cuba does too ancient, ancient being new world ancient old mm. buildings um, but the Bahamas and Jamaica and not really because there was never an infrastructure for any kind of mm. you yeah. know but even the British Virgin Islands and the US Virgin Islands none of them have it's all very new and a lot of it's a lot of American and British money as well so it's not mm. you know 
the people who are there, the people who have built buildings, are all people who are moneyed, wealthy U.S. and British people. Oh, we haven't even mentioned Bob Marley yet. Yeah. I haven't even are you a fan of Jamaican music? Oh yeah. Yeah. Bob Marley. Living in Amsterdam. Yeah. Smoking dope, listening to reggae. Yeah. Fantastic. Nice. You know. Do you venture beyond Bob Marley? Like. I would have back then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have come. Uh, <coughs> I shared a. Uh, a flat in Amsterdam with a guy who was uh, Finton who was Finton Fitzgerald who was a hairdresser with me at the time um, he was a mad avid you know almost obsessed reader of the enemy and oh, yeah, you, know, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know there's the red stripe beer again almost yeah. you know if you read enemy you, you drink red stripe you know that yeah. kind of cooling so he introduced me to all these extraordinary music as opposed to even reggae to begin you know uh, stuck for titles of the other bands now but you know the great dub bands and yeah. uh, along with you know Ska this guy, which yeah. I got totally uh, into at the time the beat and the specials and that's mm. been all where I guess and, and then on to Gang of Four and oh yeah yeah and the very first I, I we all said I have to tell you something we had the, these friends who were kind of you know uh, younger uh, who had a wee band who was ba- they were based on the jam it was exactly it was like listening to the jam right you know, three, three, three person band or whatever and Time was the lead singer and guitarist so they were introducing me to loads of music as well then I came back to Ireland you know where visit home uh, to Dungarvan and in the local music shop came across a single of U2 right and U2 before yeah. U2 yeah. Okay. before U2 kind of was U2 uh, brought this back so, oh they love this you know because you know I think I know Irish yeah. band you know what I mean yeah. it's kind of good sound you know I forget what it was under the bridge or over the bridge or something like that uh, they liked it a lot and then along comes U2 to the Milky Way to play in you know and I'll be shot for saying this because there's a whole other story later on about it as well they were appalling <laughs> really <laughs> wow and one of I was going because I was bringing oh, I, I, Irish band I was so fucking proud and you know bringing my muso friends and Amsterdam <laughs> love to see this new Irish band and we all kind of stood at the mouth agape you know, how many people bought. were at the gig Oh, it's, you know, you know what you get it. Okay. You know, well, Milky Way, small room, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, but, you but know, packed. Was, yeah, packed enough, you know. So that's a claim claim to fame. You were there first. You hated you two before anybody I, else hated you two. I, I, I never said I hated them. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up cutting the hair years later. Did today. you? Yes. Another story. How did you end up Is that why hair? the edge always has to wear a hat now? Yeah. Hmm? Is that why the edge always has to wear that's a hat why I now? I never cut the edge's hair. <laughs> <laughs> that leaves me off the hook. Mind you, I shouldn't really claim to cut the other guy's hair, Bono's hair either. Or Anyway, yeah, I was cutting hair in the Grapevine Arts Centre when I decided that I was going to be different when I came back from Amsterdam and I had this whole new approach to hair, which is about natural approach, but more about the conversation and ownership and political and you know, had my social politics going on where I'd waged an unwaged price and I did only yeah. four to six people a day while I studied movement in the morning or, okay. you know, mime and dance and whatever, all that kind of stuff. So, so uh, and I cut hair, first of all, in the middle of the exhibition space in the Grapevine Arts Centre up in North Frederick Street before they went to City Centre, Art Centre, you know, years ago, this is 80s. Mm. Um, uh, so I did that for a long time while I studied my other performing career uh, uh, and I was as I say in the middle of the exhibition space finally moved out of that because it was all too confusing people come to see exhibitions and me cutting hair down this freezing <laughs> as, as cold corner with broken windows and you know all that kind of stuff 
in North Frederick Street. But they, you know, what they thought, you know, here's art too, you know, whatever. And, and it is, like, of course, everything is art. But uh, uh, so eventually moved upstairs and then the, the then U2 stylist heard wind of me or whatever, you know, because it was going very well. I was booked out six weeks in advance. I mean, easy enough when you're doing four you know, people four, a six day. Or yeah. Six people a day, you know <laughs> what I mean? But, you know, massage and hair, you know, whatever, a whole ideology Life around lessons. hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved it and I still love it and I still do a little hair uh, more uh, again nowadays. Um, so in comes the stylist, will you cut their hair? I says, yeah, I will, you know, you know, me forgetting all about Amsterdam <laughs> years ago. <laughs> uh, although I hadn't. Uh, so, but it's, it's kind of weird and funny in a way. I made a show called Hairdresser in the House, which speaks, speaks about it, a clown. Would you let a clown cut your hair? And the, the succoridation or something, the same thing about the conversation with our audiences as theatre makers, but also the conversation as hair makers. Hair, hair, whatever people but also about the mask of hair and the mask of clown and the masks that we all wear and stuff you know which mentioned something about the the u2 story as well so it's not a new story but uh anyway marion their then stylist uh, asked me would i cut, come and cut their hair and i said no they'd have to come in here you know what i mean because you know I'm an we're artist. all the same. And we're, this is where I work. No, 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 no. The exact opposite. Like, you know, my social conscience thing, you know, you're not special. Yeah. You come in here like everybody else. You know what I mean? They had just made it at that point. Okay. Unforgettable fire. You know, I right. hate the yeah. international world thing or whatever. They had an exhibition as well then, soon afterwards, in the Great Farnes Circle about artwork around the Unforgettable Fire and their you know, influence from Hiroshima and Nagasaki or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so uh, so anyway they did come in eventually you know and uh, uh, I think Bonham was the first one and you know out of that doggedness or anything but you know I insisted on asking are you waged or unwaged you know because I had you know and yada 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 he could then, easily have said unwaged he could have, for the time that it was he, he absolutely could have just said at the moment he, unwaged he had a mullet at the time that it yeah. took me a long time to wean him away from I never quite managed it but there's always a hint of it though yeah always a hint of, yeah you know of course always Larry had on the top. most fantastic hair always he's flat topper kind of thing uh, and then you know Adam being a, another story about teaching Adam movement many years later really how the hell do I get into these things <laughs> but uh, anyway bit by bit they said will you come out come into it because you know it's hard for the guys coming in here you know I said no 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 eventually Marion talked me into going out to cut the hair and I agonised about what I would charge them at the time I was charging 10 and 6 pounds okay pounds mm-hmm. right you know 10 pounds for wage it started out as 8 and 5 and then yeah. went to 10 and 6 waged and unwaged places yeah. you know so I agonised about what I would charge it when I went down to Windmill Lane Studios to cut their hair and I decided I'd charge them double <laughs> <laughs> and the tax and Marion is going can you eat your children <laughs> we fly hairdressers around the world for them you know what I mean like it's like and he was, yeah. you know, eventually I gave up cutting their hair then because I just thought I'd become an actor. And I had stopped everything. And again, Marion and even Bonner was saying, you could just cut our hair, you know. Said, yeah, we'll, no, keep, no. we'll yeah. keep you in nice, yeah. nice. Am I sorry I didn't nice. do that? Because I could do with it now. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but, and then I passed it over to my friend Finton. He, and he ended up touring the world with them, you know, as their stylist eventually, you know. But not that I would want that job, mind you. Yeah. Uh, 
because that's not something I would. Do we blame Finton for the tinted glasses, or? I suppose you can. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know who to blame. I suppose you can. Finton yeah. Fitzgerald lives right. in London now. <laughs> I will look him uh, up. We'll, we'll have his email yeah. on our blog. <laughs> I suppose you could. Yes, all that stuff. I mean, they they develop their own style, I guess. You know, and but Finton would. Yeah, I mean, it's. I have no idea what went on there, but uh, how does that? Develop how it know, evolved. I, would, I wouldn't know that area, but yeah. being a stylist to somebody, yeah. I don't know what that is, you know. Yeah, I mean, hair well, is a different thing for me, but uh, I'm sure you could give it a go though, couldn't you? I, yeah, uh, like, I no, mean, your dad right price, did everything, so yeah. you know, I chance me on with that, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Um, speaking of you two, uh, yeah. we're gonna go to entertainment, okay. How many times does Lydia have to say Beetlejuice to get him to appear? This is presuming we all know the movie Beetlejuice. Have you seen um, Beetlejuice? With Michael yeah. Keaton. I'm going to say The Magic 3. I yeah. think it is The Magic 3. It's 3. Beetlejuice. Everything yeah. is three. Beetlejuice. Everything's 3. Everything's 3. Yeah. All good things come in 3s. Three. 3 times. 3 times. Great three. movie. It is yeah, a great movie. It was a good film. Michael man. Keaton. There's a man who's really back in. Yeah. Yes. On form, isn't yeah. he? On yeah. song. My yeah. goodness. Brilliant. I just saw a Spotlight. It's great, isn't it? Oh, I haven't seen that <sighs> Man, oh man. I saw it in a packed theater in Rathmines, and for about a full two minutes after it was over, nobody moved in their seats. Oh. Jesus. As all those things were flashing up, you know, all the places and all the names and all the priests and stuff were coming up on the screen. You could, nobody was even moving in their seats. Everyone was just, it was unreal. It was amazing. It's isn't great it brilliant? Yeah. Isn't it, you know, yeah. I mean, it's such a well-crafted movie, isn't so it? Well-crafted. And so authentic. Because it's not very hitting the nail too hard you know it's just telling the story about these reporters and true and you so you get to like them which is fascinating as opposed to sort of yeah you're not it's not even too focused on what the story is tell us the story and we'll get you know what i mean don't tell us how to think tell us the story Mm. Uh, like last night after that event you know i felt there was a real i suppose people felt okay here we are but now we're energized by it, you know, and yeah. you know, hopefully that will never yeah. happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Since we with our new Pope was just I know. Know, along oh, with... Uh, I was such a fan. What? I yeah. mean... I don't know what's... No, he just basically said that contraception is evil and you shouldn't be using it, even though he's in South America at the moment where the Zika oh, yeah. virus is... And gay is wrong. And gay is wrong. With the head of... The Orthodox, is it? When yeah. The, Russian, the Orthodox? Russian Orthodox Church. Two of them have gotten together now. Yeah, gays, Teamed gays up. bad, gays bad. Really? Yeah, surprisingly as well, because like, I thought we were it's moving. It's a total enough, 180. Because yeah. he also said, well, who am I to judge? And then also I thought he was going sort of lighter on the contraception thing. Mm. And I thought he had a good moment to kind of use this big health nightmare to say something where it's like, well, in certain situations... Maybe. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. But he went hell for leather on contraception, abortion. It's not great. <laughs> it's really not great. But what can you do? That's why. I think, but I thought Spotlight was good because it wasn't so heavy-handed on that kind of stuff. Because, mm. again, I think they assume that everybody knows what the story is. You already have your opinions about it. So, mm. But just what a lovely exposure of humanity and what we can do, you know, all of us, our self-censorship, our, you know, towing the line, or, you know, you do that, I'll do this, mm-hmm. look, let's leave that, let's not deal with that, you know, let's, you know, I, look, I grew up in Catholic, Ireland, Catholic schools, Christian brothers, priests, you know, where it was 
and every Irish man will tell you from that area and beyond it I think even still I don't know I shouldn't say that even still maybe it is maybe it isn't but we are, we're all well aware of which priest and which Christian brother and which teacher or which local guy down the town who was a friend of the family or whatever you know or within the family yeah you know that stuff mm. that you was know, you just and we censored to. it you know yeah. Or, yeah. or Irish people you know in one way we have to kind of take ownership of that as well you know yeah. uh, and that's what I see in Spotlight as well but it just takes a little bit of you know they're doing good aren't they yeah you know they're teaching people they're doing a lot of good in the communities there's one bad egg let's shift them over there yeah Shh. we'll just keep quiet about it because well, easier than ruffling feathers well, but that's that, I didn't actually realize that that was going to be the whole point of the film was about how even hard-hitting journalists will sidestep something because it's easier to just say well mm. I'll just let this one go yeah because surely if everyone else is letting it go we'll let it go and we'll all be yeah good about or it's it. not the story we'll of the time it. which is a, is brilliant isn't it yeah remember we had that, that years yeah but something else came up yeah you know uh, something mm. better came up. um speaking of beetlejuice just to get <laughs> yes so so we don't end up spoiling spotlight um I don't think you can because it's a true story and it's happened a lot of time ago Tim (laughs) what's the director's name Tim Burton Burton. Mm -hmm. yes I'm always kind of perplexed by why he doesn't do original stories anymore like everything is a remake like he did Beetlejuice and he did Edward Scissorhands everybody loves them and then he just said okay now I'm just doing I'm going to do Planet of the Apes I'm going to do Alice in Wonderland I'm going to do Willy Wonka Willy Wonka and he just endless what's remakes that aren't that good what's the next one it's kind of amazing that he's still making films I can't remember now I don't know I want to be in it oh really I've forgotten it now though so I'm not going to be but, in it no but let's just put that on the podcast yeah. now because you never know it's who's listening happen. really he yeah. may be a fan he may yeah. be a fan of the Tim. podcast not yeah. after I've whatever the thing you're doing next which I've forgotten what it is <laughs> can I be in it in the lead role oh no again is he remaking something again Like is he, he did Sweeney Todd didn't he Sweeney Todd. That was good. I enjoyed that more than any of the others. Well, it's still mm. a remake, though. It is still a remake. Is, why hasn't he had an original idea? And I mean, the, the one maybe original idea he had, and I remember before Christmas, he didn't direct, he passed that off to somebody else. Corpse Bride. Yeah, Corpse Bride he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So there was another one. But maybe he just isn't, maybe he's just doing it in different ways. I guess so, but I just think he's better to do something original. But just saying, and he needs a pep talk. <laughs> he does, yeah. He maybe, does. but I think that, you know, when you're getting offered a ton of money, you just... But he's, uh, he's Nightmare Before Christmas as well, isn't he? Yeah. The animation. He, he's he, brilliant. He like, had the idea for all these characters. He gave up a story, but, or, yeah. but he didn't write it or he didn't yeah. direct it. Maybe he finds that doing a remake, putting a new spin on a remake, is what's creatively interesting for him at I the guess moment. I guess it's what but it's not very it's interesting for me. Mm. You know, well, if he wants me Mark Hanton doesn't like it. Yeah. You so. write it. Tim, Mark is going to write your next... I'm going to write your original story, uh, Tim. Screenplay. Yeah. And Ray is going to star in it. I'm going to star. Yeah. Um, I bet you, but he's probably going to get Andy Serkis, who is my pet hate, because oh, he's played everything God. that I want to play. Gollum, King Kong, well, Gollum mainly. Yeah, he wants to play Gollum. What was he just in recently, where um, he turned up somewhere? 
Yeah, he's oh, an amazing character. I was in a movie with him once. Yeah. In a very small part by Stephen Bradley. Um, and he was in it playing the father, and uh, Brendan Gleeson was the lead in it. Sweetie Oh, Sweetie Barrett, yes. Yeah. And then he became Gollum, and I liked him when I was working with him for the few bits. Yeah. And then he got Gollum, and then I was so envious. Did it's you, hard to be friends Did you get to audition for Gollum? I didn't even get Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even get a look on. Well, you could, you could make a play where you're playing Gollum on stage. I think that's all I've ever played on stage. Was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some version. Uh, okay, history. What unusual form of transport carried St. Bernardo's coffin? Dr. Bernardo's coffin. Oh, yeah, sorry, Dr. Bernardo. What unusual form of transport carried Dr. Bernardo's coffin? Well, Bernardo's the children's charity, isn't it? Yeah. So, something about St. Bernard, I just went to my house. Oh. But, uh, Dr. Bernardo, I don't know who Dr. Bernardo is. Is he a... Um, is he Bernardo's oh. is... Not the Russian classic, isn't it? Is there a Dr. Bernardo? Was that a TV series years ago? I don't Dr. know. Dr. Bernardo. Maybe. I can't remember. No, I presume it's referring to a Bern- real life Bernardo's. That, yeah, he set up like... I don't know if it's an orphanage or a children's charity, but mm. Bernardo's is a uh, children's charity. Mm. So, unless it was a bunch of kids <laughs> carrying it, or it was in, I don't know, something to do with... Kids. It was um, it, his his uh, funeral took place in London. Okay, uh, so a, a barge canal. Horses um, involved on the river. No, no uh, horses, no, no donkeys, horses either. Donkeys or, or any form of animal. No form of animal. So it was a form of transport without any animals. London bus. Close. Oh, a taxi. black taxi. No, a little bit further away. Oh, minicab. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, called him a minigun. Like, Here, we've got a coffin. We have one down. Uh, a train? Yeah. Oh, the no, London Underground. Underground? Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So he was underground. I don't know what that was. Can you imagine being sitting on the underground and just having someone wheel in a coffin? Like, sorry, sorry, can you just. <laughs> yeah. uh, Move down here, please. Thanks. Yeah, do you have to buy a ticket for that? Sure. <laughs> I've seen more outrageous things. <laughs> I know. Well, on the New York subway, you could see that would absolutely happen. Yeah. Not a bother. And nobody yeah. would lift an eyelid about it. Uh, I would be more surprised to see it on the London Underground. True. Also, it's narrower, so it's, it would be harder to ignore. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, you know, they are actually little tubes. Oh yeah. As opposed to. Square trains. Yeah. Like, there are those amazing acrobats in New York City who perform on the subway cars, but they're jumping from pole to pole, and they're doing back handsprings down the carriage and jumping up and throwing each other around, up and down the carriage. It's amazing. And they don't hit people's feet. They, they, They do a double somersault thing where they're holding onto each other, and they roll all the way down, avoiding the poles, rolling down the middle of the carriage. It's fantastic. And is it true mm. that people talk to each other in the New York tube, you don't call it the tube, underground? The subway. Subway, subway. And not in the London tube. I'd say that is true. But people not really talk to each other in the New York subway, but they sort of, if, if they're annoyed with something, they'll tell you. Yeah. Like if you're too smelly or you're eating food or you're not, you're taking up too many seats, people mm. will 
people tell you. Yeah. Whereas in London, they won't, won't say anything. No. Yeah. They'll just... Yes. They won't really even look at you. You know, it's mm. like... Whereas it never happens in London. People don't get on Lo- in London and do performances. Whereas in New York, you're getting shows all the time. That's true. On the subway. Like a little bit, mm. maybe. Well, not in the tubes themselves, but around the underground mm. in London. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, I was in Tokyo last year, uh, underground there. Extra, of course, you know, so efficient, so on the ball, so perfect, you know. Yeah. As all of Tokyo, well, yeah, the bits all of, of Tokyo the, I saw, because I want to be Japanese. I just. Yeah, why would you not? You know, that kind of precision. And of course, that's the bit I, that's the romantic bit I know about being Japanese. Um, it really is romantic, but uh, amazing. And you've got fish skills. You're already <laughs> part of the way there. there. I could be doing sushi in no time. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, what, did they call them the pink carriages? That at peak hours, they were women only. Oh, and really? It, and it is, you know, it's a bit like walking down the street in Tokyo. There's a, as a left and right, you, you walk on this side if you go on this direction, and the other side of the, of the, the curve, you know, yeah. of the paper. Yeah. You know, people organize themselves because there's loads of umbrellas, of course, as well. But it, and it's just a done thing. Nobody bats an eye. You don't even think about and it. And people, you know, respect that pink tube. I think it's called the pink carriage or something like that. That is women only at rush hour. Yeah. Because. Because there's so jammed in and you're up against people, yeah. Which is great. And and they love those rules, it seems to me. Again, the part of Tokyo I saw is different to maybe what it really is, but uh, I love that. And playing to audiences there was just... Have you ever seen everything? Because they come to be there. Yeah. And they they tune in and they're there. Everything. And they pay, yeah. and they and, and they, they will pay you even if you're. They're not there to like if you're just doing street theater. The amount of money that people make because I went to a big street performance festival there with my husband years and years ago in Shizuoka, which is the one the biggest one in the world. Wow. And people show up with step ladders and proper ladders that they carry around with them so that they can get up and see people. You know, so that yeah. the, the the circles go from sitting, but it is that organized where you're sitting for a certain amount of time then people can stand then you're on step stools then you're on ladders mm-hmm. and people have whole families up on ladders watching this but everybody pays also which is amazing mm-hmm. and there was I an amazing act was there that. did you see, have you ever seen them called Gamarjabad a, d- a double act yes I have seen them in Edinburgh years ago they're yeah. amazing yeah. they're incredible incredible yeah incredible Just, skill I think about a lot about what they mm. the thing where they're running around the suitcase but the suitcase mm. looks like it's suspended in air yeah. but it's not yeah, it's fantastic. They, 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 they do have that slight thing of... They're too expensive now, they won't come back to Dublin, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, repeating the same show for 20 years. Oh, yeah, it's classics. It's a bit, but sure, it's a bit like everything. If you look at Marceau, let's say, or whatever, it's yeah. the same show, you know, you know, probably getting better and better, maybe, I don't know, but uh, but that's it. You, you find the winner and you stick to it. Yeah. As well, you know, why not? Why not? Play the same song and every gig you do. I guess so. You know, it's yeah. good every you time. You two aren't playing over the bridge anymore, though. Uh, or under the bridge. Under or the bridge, whatever. whatever. <laughs> or whatever they played in the Amsterdam that night. <laughs> um, okay, arts and literature. What is the end of the proverb that begins, in the country of the blind? I don't know this proverb. You don't? Mm-mm. Raymond. In the country of the I should know this, shouldn't you don't? I? Yeah, yeah all yeah, your you talk about Catholic upbringing. 
and do work in theatre. Yeah, in the country of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yes. It came out of the fucking dark recesses yeah. of go. my brain. Pulled it out. Yeah. It's funny, yeah, with those things I'm that are... I'm rehearsing Rougher Theatre one this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Are blind you? man. Beckett. Yeah, Beckett. Who are you doing that with? Uh, Company SJ, which I've been doing Beckett work with, or which we had... When, yes, we did that in Tokyo as well, that piece, and the Barbican last year. Two pieces, I thought our words, two, and Rougher Theatre, uh, one. And they're part of a series that Company SJ, Sarah Jane's Gave Director, has... Uh, entitled uh, Beckett in the City and has taken some of his works and inserting it into city architecture. Oh, cool. mm. That could be outdoor or indoor. These two pieces are actually outdoor and we're about to go to Paris with them in... Which one are you now. playing? Blind Men or the Cripple? I play the Cripple. The Cripple. Yeah. Incredible. Well, after that words too is the most extraordinary 20-minute piece. Mind play would have been called actually, you know, non-verbal piece, but it is, in our case, it's 30 minutes long, depending on how I'm going. Oh God, how don't tell, going don't, long. don't tell Mr. Beckett. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, we've been doing that quite, but that is an extraordinary piece about two guys and two sacks. You know, yeah. You probably know it. Yeah, yeah. We, we do it now. It would have been done, you know, in theatre freeze of light, you know, in a kind of meta theatricality, you know. You know Has everyone a black turtlenecks? Uh, yes, that type of thing. But we do it now on the streets in a laneway. Um, in New York, we did it in, Theatre Alley, it was called, actually, in the middle of the heat, summer heat. Oh my God, gross. You must have been so sweaty. running around. Oh. And smelly. And yeah, oh, New weird. York stinks. But the rats were very Beckett-behaved rats. You know, they oh, they are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, New York rats are... they went back. Yeah, yeah, New York rats are very... are totally up on Beckett. Beckett well, and Shakespeare, they are. Beckett and Shakespeare, yeah. they love it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where are you doing it in Paris? Uh, culture, Irish culture oh, yeah. it seems you know it's a Beckett festival going on over there that uh, uh, during whatever the next few months or whatever but uh, so we're just putting it together putting them, warming them up again for that but yeah. the act of our words too where we do it with in two, now two sleeping bags and on the street with a homeless and addiction sensibility oh jeez the way fits it perfectly I bet it does man mm. so it's a little bit it's quite bleak actually heavy yeah that makes mm. it so much heavier not mm. that it wasn't heavy already but because you walk away from the show and no doubt you turn the corner and you see two guys exactly yeah like you've seen mm. us yeah. perform yeah you yeah. know uh, it's yeah it's only they're not getting piece. paid to do it but it's Beckett in a nutshell it's like everything you see all his other writing coming in, you know all in this little 20 minutes non-verbal piece you know, yeah. about the existence of two guys who never meet they never see each other because one comes out, performs his daily activity, the other comes out, performs his daily and then they move each other along bit by bit. So it's a continuum kind of thing. And why? And what is it? Is it two people? Yeah, or, or is, is it the same person? Yeah. Or is it, yeah. as one Indian actor said to Sarah Jane, she did it with them there years ago, filmmaker as well, and he says it's, um, which is brilliant, it's, two people sharing one life mm. and that mm. was like wow you know so lots of interpretation of course but but uh, and then but two people the blind sharing man and one the beggar life. back to your question yeah, you know what I mean about you know what is it there's the other thing about yeah. reliance and what do you have for me yeah the one eyed man let's say yeah, yeah so yeah. I have the eyes yeah but you got the feet yeah how can we 
But that's right. a, mm-hmm. like all of Beckett is is that basically, isn't it? It's two people living one life. Yeah. Most of Beckett becomes that, or one person living out all their lives. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many mirror images of two people living out one thing. And for Love me, it. he's the greatest clown. Big yeah. time. No doubt. I yeah. did um, a course in the States that was on Beckett and Buster Keaton. Ah, yes, yeah. And then obviously coming to a head where they actually do, do... No, they hated each other. Cool, yeah. I'm not surprised it. Beckett stripped him of all the gags. <laughs> Beckett was like, you have to play it straight. This is not a joke. Yeah. Yeah. This is not... And Buster was it's like, can I just do joke. a bit of a... Yeah. It's like, no, you cannot yeah. do that. <laughs> they hated each other. <laughs> but it's that part of that, I, you know, Beckett, is he a clown? You know, well, he writes the clown, That's... but he's... And I know he loves the, the black and white movie stars and the vaudeville, and, you know, look at Godo, the two lads are, you know, your clown That's... jewel, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. always just not letting you have the gag nearly, you know. But it's his... I suppose it's his... You know, insight into the very essence of what it is to be alive and for that for, that's the clown for me yeah What's, yeah what are we here yeah what are we doing where are we going what times i don't know what the fuck do we do i don't know let's go on <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. let's do this over here um nature science science and nature uh what is the maximum maximum <laughs> what is the maximum length of a total solar eclipse there's options okay 7.5 17.5 or 27.5 minutes the maximum length you, he's looking at the card like I'm not reading really I think properly. I remember it <laughs> like, being no, no, long couldn't. the last time really yeah, I think it's long as well yeah 27 I'd say 17 or 27 that would be I would say 7.5 interesting got three different guesses it is 7.5 Mark Clinton wins told you he had the brains he yep. does yeah it was yep. long though the one that was on the, yeah. that we saw yeah. what's going on for I felt like a long time. I guess maybe not that long. I just finally, uh, finally oh. finished Inception last night again. I've oh been watching gosh. blocks. It's totally... And Mark would probably explain that to us now. What the hell? A dream no, nobody a dream can explain that. And time. Well, you see, I don't think Inception actually makes any sense. No, most people... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home and tell Maria that thing because she's going to... I would go, ah, do you know what's going on? Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. No, you don't. I do. <laughs> yeah, I, think I don't. I think it's wrong. Um, one thing, I mean, you watched it last night. So, they're, they, they're, you can capture somebody else in your dream or something, but or you can design a dream for them. Some of it's bad storytelling, like who's holding the dream and who's the architect. I was like, why don't you have a different color wire going to their head for who's holding the dream? And then you're like, okay, we know it's the okay, red wire. Yeah. You know, just simple things like that will make it easier to understand. But one of the things is, this is my token, right? And nobody else is allowed to touch it. So they don't know what it feels like. So yeah. if I can feel my token, I know that I'm not in somebody else's dream. Because nobody else has ever touched this. If I can feel my token. If I can feel if it. I can hold it. Yes. But then they say, and that will mean that a spinning top will spin forever in a dream. Yeah. No, that's not what you just said. That's nothing nice to do though. with what you said. Nice though. Yeah, it's a nice image for sure. It's a nice image, but it doesn't make any sense. So no, it's, but it's a filmmaker's decision. No, but the science is wrong, and the science is interstellar is really wrong too. Uh, interstellar is brilliant. Yeah. No, interstellar is a pack. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. <laughs> there is so there's an amazing article about how it's bullshit. I won't send it to you though. No, no, if you I've, like I've it, seen you it's like great. it. And I, uh, yeah, I love those mistakes. It's filmmaking, it's storytelling, you know. And uh, yeah. but that's. 
Yes, but then you see, I mean, that's fine. Whatever you say the rules are, those are the rules. Mm. Absolutely grand. Which but you, you can't say, them. these are yeah, the rules, yeah. I have a token, and that's the thing. And then there's a jump to, well, then a spinning top will spin forever. I think Where you should do a from? new screenplay for Inception and go to Tim Burton. There you go. That. He loves a remake. It's all about wires, Tim. Different it's all about wires. wires. <laughs> you just get some different colored yeah, wires. Different colored wires going to their heads. Different characters, go. Yeah. And also, yeah, you can morph the human form in the different dreams. Go for it. Yeah. And um, simplify it, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell us what's just actually, tell us what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, okay, this is uh, Sports and Leisure. What stroke did Matthew Webb use when he became the first person to swim across the English Channel? The very fast one. Yeah. I don't know. Must have been... It's um, be the crawl. Yeah. Front crawl, I'd say. Surely, yeah. It's not going to be the butterfly. That wouldn't have been my choice. Really, you wouldn't get and it wouldn't be the backstroke. Back. Could be the backstroke. Doggy paddle, no. It could be the backstroke, actually, now that you say backstroke. I would say it's either breath it's or kind crawl. Of relaxing in a way, you know? Mm. It's taking it easy. Sometimes you're like... So I, I mean, I, haven't, I barely swim ever, but like... Yeah, but the backstroke and the front crawl are kind of you get. I guess you breathe better on the backstroke. Yeah. You, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I, it would be the breaststroke because I would do the breaststroke. That's my favorite, and the thing when I'm just swimming long distances, that's what I find comfortable. But I don't think it would be for that for the sea swimming because your legs would start to get really. Yeah, was that film amazing? Sorry, Sorry. which film? Yeah. Last night. Oh, the the and short it. film. Yeah, short film. The, did you see it? Oh. Diving deep. Diving in, diving somewhere. I can't remember. And yeah, about, about a, a, a Muslim woman yeah. who's, who's living in Ireland now and um, how she found swimming in the Irish Sea um, kind of a, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a, you know, just something that she really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And, and also her, her desire to wear... Um, hijab and what's the what's the full face covering full face covering anyway but she feels obliged not to wear it in Ireland which is kind of interesting when you 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 kind of think of it as as an obligation to wear it but she feels obliged not to wear it in Ireland because culturally it's it's just not the done thing which was interesting yeah it's interesting to see in, in fact you know that kind of collision that she's having here has brought her closer to her faith mm-hmm. as well you yeah, know, on, a, yeah. on a very deep level you mm. know yeah. uh, on a very personal level so it's not about the Islam it's about her relationship with her God yeah you know? it's a beautiful mm. thing but anyway which stroke which stroke which no stroke which stroke I'm saying back stroke what From, are you saying I'm going just to crawl because it's uh, that's what everybody uses these days yeah it's breaststroke. It's breaststroke. And I feel like I talked everyone out of that. Yeah, it's breaststroke. Wow. <laughs> oh. So maybe I could swim the channel. That's what it's telling me. So that's my stroke of You're choice. You're listening, folks. Next week, <laughs> we're going to get a report on how Annie swam cover, the channel. Cover me in Vaseline yeah. and throw yeah. me out there. Yeah. Breaststroke with one hand tied behind her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she went around the that is, that is actually very surprising to me. Yeah. So I feel like it wrecks the knees, the breaststroke. It is, though. You know, when you settle into it, 
yeah. I'm not a big swimmer, but you can kind of get a rhythm going yeah. quite quickly. Yeah. Well, when I do big swims, that's the one I use mm. across the lake and back. Like that's that's mm. my relaxed. Because you also can keep your head out of the water the yeah. most. Yeah, and you're not, you yeah. know, blowing and so. Yeah. yeah. It's not the most um, time effective. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's a slower it's pace, very but slow. less exhausting. Yeah. It's like doing the channel swim, though. It's much, it's much of a muchness, isn't it? You know. You just float along. Mm. Um, but the channel is, is cold, too. Very cold. So there's that aspect of it, which I wouldn't enjoy as much. I don't mind swimming in cold water. I don't like long swimming in cold water. No. It's a bad thing to do. I saw... I actually watched the documentary about David Walliams swinging, swimming in the English Channel. And um, he gets to France, and he's just ended up at kind of rocks and like he needs to in some way stand on land and then the the support boat can can pick him up but it's just like him trying to get on rocks at the very end of the swim it's like oh god why have I not ended up at a beach that'll be a lot easier but yeah just how long did it take him I don't know don't know didn't didn't get that detail okay yeah it's a big it's a long time though isn't it like you stop for Snacks and I guess so. It's a yeah, crazy thing to do. It's a crazy thing to do. Well, there were things yeah. we watched Everest over the weekend about the um, team that climbed in '96 when John Krakauer climbed with them and then wrote Into Thin Air from that experience. Oh, yeah. uh, and so they made a movie about that climb, and needless to say, it doesn't go well for everybody. And mm. Like, that is something that I just have no, don't know <laughs> yeah. why people have any desire to put themselves in that situation against those kind of odds. Adverse. And odds, nature yeah. and... Nobody. And height. Height. Oh. And all, you're going higher than airplane. You, you, you need oxygen. Like, it just seems like... Do you know that Everest is closed? Yeah, because it got too popular. No. Um, I think the the weather is adverse has been adverse for the last year or something. I can't remember where I heard this. Maybe I just dreamed it. It's also but the, people like, their ladders going up it now. Like there's yeah, yeah like yeah. you can do it more. Yeah. But they have to close it because there were too many people. Like it's ruining the mountain. Ruining the mountain. Yeah. And do then you, also they just leave the dead bodies there. So you're going up, and if someone's died a few months before, you'll just see a dead body. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, but that sw- swimming huge long distances, those crazy runs that go like through the desert for 24 hours overnight during the mm. day. Like, I just don't know why. None, they're not all just midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are people who love this. That's what they want to do. Yeah. I, I ran a marathon some, when I was 53, five years ago. Um, I decided I would give up smoking and drinking uh, in July and started training for a marathon. I'm a committed smoker and was a committed drinker. Don't drink anymore, but... Uh, uh, Why did you decide to give up both of them at the same time? Because that seems like a, a lot of cruel and unusual yeah. punishment. Although okay. 53 is a bit more than midlife, I think. Well, no, hopefully. <laughs> late life. Hoping, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Late life crisis. Uh, but you're supposed to train for at least a year, you know. And I'm not a runner, you know. I mean, I'm physical because I do physical theater, but, uh, you know, so I have access to my body in that way. Your but muscles not are, fitness, are intoned. But not mm. fitness. Uh, I fit, I act fit, which is good, you know. Um, but uh, I did it, and uh, then I got a chest infection a week before the marathon. That is your body telling you something. Went back smoking and drinking, and ran the marathon with a hangover. 
how midlife crisis, how fucking any crisis is that? You know yeah, what, what, what marathon did you run? Dublin or? Dublin Marathon. I mean, I crawled most of it. But so I'd, say that, I'd say that a lot of the people running the Dublin Marathon are hungover or drunk. Would you say? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> just so playing a racist. Stere- stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Stereotype right slash racism. Yeah. Slash racism. Um, yeah, no, I have I'm proof of it. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah. It's Well, you know, five and a quarter hours or whatever. But it, I would, I had to finish it. Yeah. I mean, literally. Well, that's, but that's what I'm worried about mm. for myself is that I'm such a competitive person that if I put myself in a situation where I said that I was going to do it, then I would have to do it. Mm. <sighs> Physical situation. It's an amazing thing, though. You know, to put it aside, what, what about, what's his name, the comedian guy? Um, Eddie Azard. Eddie, 57 yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. 47 yeah. 50 something days or whatever. How yeah. do you do that? Yeah, forty-seven. He's just marathons. said he's going to do it again, or he's You've going to do twenty yourself. <laughs> twenty-seven marathons in twenty-seven days. He's just said he's going to do that marathon every day. I, mean, I remember the pain. And but there was he's, this not, th- he's not a fit man, and he's a terrible runner. He everything plodding. He's all over the gaff. <laughs> yeah, you know, at least I'm kind of theater style. You're live. <laughs> You've got a runner's body, a runner's frame. I'd, I'd rather look good than you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. but yeah, he's a terrible runner and he struggled. But isn't that extraordinary what the human is capable of? Yeah, that's the extraordinary. Yeah, it's that thing. Do you ever listen to um, Radio Lab talking about uh, competitive eating and uh, the guy who like revolutionized how many hot dogs you could eat like everybody was just trying to beat this record of like 27 or whatever it was and he he just came along and said well maybe you don't need to do it like how they were doing it you know just eating a hot dog and he ended up um dipping the bread in water so he could like drink the bread and then swallowing the hot dog all in one and like he just doubled the amount of hot dogs that you could eat he by just, just saying apart. yeah yeah very smart Anyway, a tiny Japanese guy, because they're all about efficiency. Yeah. Uh, Raymond. Ending on hot dogs. Ending on hot dogs. <laughs> That's your next task, competitive eating. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for being on the show. Have you any projects coming up that uh, you, you can see? Off March. Yeah. Uh, with, um, uh, with the Beckett work. That's uh, a few other little things. Happen. What else happened? Doing a little movie, short movie with oh, yeah. Special Times, uh, Women, War and Peace. Uh, so they were co-production with four European countries and they're just making a short film as part of their thing cool looking at women in war uh, Irish women and maybe European women as well um, it was a very interesting project uh, and then April teaching my Aya Clown workshops which oh yeah uh, yeah where can we find information yeah. about that uh, on Barabbas Theatre Company website or the Lear Academy is probably the quickest way the Lear Academy which is where I do them through the Lear okay. these open mm. workshops for people yeah. who want to learn something about clown yeah that clown. super we'll put those up on the blog as well be brilliant yeah super duper we uh, don't have anything to blog at the moment I do there's an election based oh, yeah. election debate improv I won't be there we're going to um, take on the characteristics of all the major parties and do a hilarious debate on Monday in Anshaw uh, as part of the tightrope uh, it's at 8 o'clock and uh, I don't eight, know how much it will cost it'll be a lot of fun but uh, do come down because you know this is how you'll really decide who to vote who to for vote in for. this election yeah. yeah I'm there by us knowing nothing <laughs> about the parties and just taking a piss yeah 
but that's, that's it, it yeah. for now. Yeah. Uh, see you next time. Bye.